Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's very special episode of TCCP is none other than everyone's favourite up-and-coming cricket journalist, Mr. Kieran McCarthy. So Kieran, first things first, mate, great to have you back on the podcast for a chat about the 2023 Metro Bank One Day Cup final, a fantastic occasion. As we shall discuss, I've got to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Uh, yeah, it's been all right. I can't complain. Not been a busy day then, I'm guessing, by, <laughs> by that description. Not particularly. I've just, just got back from the gym. So. Oh, fair enough. Training for 2024 already. Yeah, getting the... really getting after it. <laughs> Going to be a part of Yorkshire's 2024 Metro Bank One Day Cup squad. Uh, I would very much doubt that. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Exactly. It's a funny game, this game of crickets. So <laughs> never give up on your dreams. Never, ever give up on your dreams. Not to sound like Shia LaBeouf, but don't give up on your dreams. But we're not here, folks, to discuss Kieran's blossoming county cricket career in 2024. Instead, we are, of course, here to focus on the final of this year's Metro Bank One Day Cup, which saw Leicestershire crowned as the List A champions of England and Wales for the first time since 1985. The Foxes winning an incredible final at Trent Bridge by just two runs against the Rose and Crown of Hampshire. It was a phenomenal occasion. It was an outstanding advert for county cricket. And as we shall discuss, we were treated to some truly unforgettable performances over the course of this match. So, Kieran, first things first, I've got to ask, mate, Leicestershire's decision to win the toss and have a bat first in overcast conditions because this was something on social media which, as we shall discuss, was was widely described by many as being a very poor decision given the overcast conditions, given the strength of Hampshire's bowling lineup, and for the most part in the early stages, it did appear to have backfired quite spectacularly, didn't it? 89 for six within 22 overs. What did you make of that decision by Lewis Hill to win the toss and be brave, be bold, be courageous and have a bat first in this final? I mean, I think in hindsight, it looks like a poor decision when they were reduced to, I think it was like 19 for four or, or whatever it was. Um, but there's logic behind the decision in that um, Leicester have been quite good batting first this season. They've hit like 400 in one game. There was a high 300 um, and, and a couple of other scores like that. So th- there was certainly logic behind it. And I think... Um, Obviously, Lewis Hill thought the best chance of, of them winning the game was batting first. Um, it obviously very much didn't look like that in the early exchanges after after the opening spells from the Hampshire openers. But um, you can't really argue with the fact that they, they did win the game, no matter how unlikely it did look at, at the start. And um, yeah, I, I think it was more um, good bowling rather than, than anything to do with the, the toss decision um, that reduced Leicestershire to such a low score uh, for four wickets quite early on. Well, it was. It was outstanding bowling, wasn't it, from the likes of Keith Barker and Ian Holland, the latter in particular taking figures of one for 30 and bowling 37 dot balls. It was an outstanding opening spell from those two, completely put Leicestershire on the back foot. And let's be honest, I think both myself and yourself, Kieran, along with everyone in attendance, a lot of people watching at home, saw 89 for six and thought the final was done. In particular, given the the ferocity, given the the clinical nature 
of that Hampshire bowling attack, we expected them to maybe just push into the 200s. But for them to finish with 267 was absolutely remarkable. And that wasn't just by chance. That was as a result of an unforgettable partnership between Harry Swindles and Sam Evans. An absolutely extraordinary 151-run stand for the seventh wicket. So, Kieran, we have to discuss this because this really was the turning point in the entire final, wasn't it? Let's face it, when both Sam Evans and Harry Swindles came out to bat, two guys who, to be honest, hadn't played a massive role in the One Day Cup up until this point. Evans had only played three matches, whereas Swindles hadn't even played a single match in the entire competition. These really were two very unlikely heroes, but both Leicester-born boys, both born and bred at this club, both been at the club playing together for about 15 years. It's absolutely incredible the journey that these two have been on at this cricket club. So in terms of that partnership, how would you go about describing not just the importance, but I suppose the the partnership itself? It was quite spectacular, wasn't it, from Evans and Swindles? It was, and we were suggesting sort of when it was when they got six down or five or six down that yeah they might limp to sort of two hundred once those those two got going. Um, didn't really assume that that they'd get the, to the score that they did get to. Um, and it's it was quite poetic that it would be them two, um, particularly Harry Swindles who hasn't played a list day game for I think eleven months. Um, he's hardly really played in in either of the other competitions as well. Um. He's out of contract in in a couple of weeks' time, um, and I was reading something earlier um, that he he was actually looking for jobs when he got the call to say that he was uh, going to play in the final. So um, for him to to come out and and score a hundred, his first list eight hundred, there is no better time for him to to have possibly done that. And he was the best player on the pitch um, throughout the game. And I think that's something that can happen sort of like when you don't have any pressure on you, it, it sort of, you know, takes takes the weight off you. And you think, well, if this is the last time I'm going to play, then I think he sort of just played with freedom and, and you could see that. Um, and, you know, even when Holland and Barker came back for the closing stages of the innings, um, Keith Barker got smacked for two massive sixes by Harry Swindles after he'd been very good um, at, at the start of the game. And, and yeah, he, it was a fantastic innings from him um, and not just him. Sam Evans obviously played very well as well. And he sort of just let let Swindles go about his business. Um, and obviously it massively paid off 117 off, off 96 balls. Um, and if it is the last time that he ever plays for Leicestershire, they'll be indebted to him um, because he has basically won them the, the one day cup on his own. Well, that is the big question, isn't it? Because uh, aside from the the knock itself, and it was truly spectacular, wasn't it? 117 not outs from 96 balls, eight fours, three sixes. Completely changed the, the dynamics of this final and ultimately was the turning points which has made Leicestershire go on to lift this trophy. It's something which will not be forgotten by Fox's fans for centuries, let alone decades. This is something which is now ingrained as part and parcel of Leicestershire County Cricket Club's history, but... I suppose in the wider conversation, Kieran, looking at Swindle's situation, you mentioned about him looking for jobs because he didn't expect to even play in this final. Do you think that he does have a future at Leicestershire? Because they brought in Ben Cox, right? Of course, Pete Hanscom, he's coming back for the next two seasons as well. 
they have already got wicketkeeping options. Do you think they'll keep him almost as that second, potentially third string keeper just for depth in the squad? What are your thoughts on that? I would be surprised if he didn't after the final. Um, beforehand, having you know hardly played this season, played a little bit of championship and a little bit of blast, um, and you would expect that that if he was going to play anything, having not played a lot, a lot otherwise, um, he would have played in the one day cup. The fact that he hasn't a lot shows that um, Leicester probably didn't have him in the thoughts going forwards. I don't think you can really argue with the fact that he's he, he's hit 100 in the one day cup final and, and essentially won them a game on his own. Um, and if he if he isn't to stay at Leicestershire, um, because as you say they they have got other wicket keeping options, I would be very surprised if another club didn't come and have a look at him. Um, you know, there's there's clubs that are losing a lot of players at the moment, the likes of um, Worcestershire, Derbyshire are losing players. Um, I, I would be very surprised if somebody doesn't have. Um, I, I don't even want to say a gamble because he, he's shown you know how good he can be if given the opportunity, and I think. Um, there will, there has to be somebody that that wants to give him an opportunity. Whether that is Leicestershire, whether it's somebody else, I, I can't see a way that he isn't playing um, professional cricket next season at least. I'd completely agree with that, mate. To be honest, I'd be very surprised if Leicestershire do not put a contract on the table. It might not be a two or a three year, but even if it's a one year, it's a show of gratitude, isn't it, for one of the great knocks in this illustrious club's history, because this has made them. Champions of England, champions of England, Leicestershire County Cricket Club are the list day champions of England. It's absolutely incredible considering what this club has gone through in recent years, in particular that dire stretch from the mid to the late 2010s where they were going nowhere across any format. After that T20 Blast win in 2011, the club really was in the doldrums, wasn't it? Financially, they'd fallen out with a fan base, large swathes of people just didn't even want to really support Leicestershire because they were going absolutely nowhere. It was a club which lost its identity. It was a club which lost its place in the community for many people. And under the guidance, the leadership of the likes of Sean Jarvis, the CEO, who's completely reinvigorated this cricket club. You think of the recruitment of Dan Weston in the past. You think of the coaching of Paul Nixon as well. I know he wasn't there for this particular final, but he has definitely instilled a philosophy of belief in this side and even though things might have ended a little bit unceremonious between him and the club he did lay the foundations for this side so again you have to give him some credit the likes of Alfonso Thomas and James Taylor the captain Lewis Hill as well this really is a victory that was made in Leicester and that's what makes it so special to me personally it's the fact that there's so many players so many of the coaching staff so many of the people involved in this club are centered around Leicestershire this means more to them than anybody else and you can see it's reflected in the fan base there's a real sense of belief hope and optimism with the Foxes which has not existed at this club for a number of years so it's absolutely wonderful to see but aside from that extraordinary century from Harry Swindles and an excellent supporting 60 from Sam Evans I know that Evans probably won't get the the plaudits he won't get the attention he won't have called the headlines, but as you said, Kieran, played a perfect foil role, didn't he, to allow Harry Swindles to go out there and play with freedom because if he would have gone early, Swindles would not have been able to produce that knock. So I think Sam Evans does deserve an immense amount of credit as well. But aside from Leicestershire's batting, 267 for 7 was a competitive total. 
but at the time, did you think it was a winning one, given the, the strength of Hampshire's batting in particular, given the, the strength of that middle order with the likes of Liam Dawson, Keith Barker as a finisher, and of course, the likes of Joe Weatherly and Aniron Donald? Certainly after the start Hampshire made, I thought it was going to be tough for Leicester to, to defend. Um, I mean, the way that they came out of the blocks, that they, they came very quickly. Fletcher Middleton and, and Nick Gubbins um, started uh, more quickly than Leicester had in their innings. And when I was looking through my notes throughout the game, looking at um, sort of what time the, the 50 and the 100 and the 150 came up, um, Hampshire were always like three, four, five overs ahead uh, of where Leicester had been. Um, so throughout the game, even when it got tight towards the end, um, I, I did think that Hampshire were going to win. Um, but to give Leicester the credit, they always kept them... Um, close to them that the the way that they took wickets uh, at, uh, at close intervals um, you know they never let one batter get away even though there, there were guys obviously Tom Preston and Liam Dawson both hit 50s there were um, a 20 a couple a 30 a 40 um, Leicester never let Hampshire get away and I think that's um, you have to credit them for the fact that they didn't allow Hampshire to get away and and obviously towards the end, even though it, it still looked unlikely with sort of three or four overs to go, they, they kept them really close to them and they were able to win from there. Um, at the, the start of the innings, certainly after the first few overs, I, I didn't think it, it was going to happen for them and, and throughout it, it looked unlikely, but you have to credit them for the fact that they, they kept them there um, and they didn't allow them to get away from them. I think that's a great point, Kieran, and that relates beautifully, actually to my next question because you mentioned that that partnership in particular between Tom Prest and Ben Brown so Prest scoring 51 Brown scoring 33 at one point in the 23rd over Hampshire looked to be coasting didn't they they were 117 for two they've got wickets in the shed they've got runs on the board it it looked like a very manageable run chase but what do you say was the turning point in the run chase do you think it was that wicket of Ben Brown which was taken by Chris Wright one of the elder statesmen a, a man who's leaving the club actually at the end of this season to pursue opportunities down in Sussex. Do you think that was the key moment or was there another wicket for you which almost broke the back of the Hampshire run chase? Where do you think that moment was which almost put Leicestershire on the path to winning the One Day Cup? I think both Brown getting out and then Prest getting out a few overs later um, because obviously you mentioned how how good a partnership that was. Um and them two just looked to be coasting at, at that time. Um, I was probably most impressed with with Tom Prest out of anyone from Hampshire. I think the way he played, um, Josh Hall particularly, um, kid that's six foot seven, bowling eighty mile an hour plus, and he skipped down the track and smashed him over the top on multiple occasions. Um, and he looked untroubled against essentially everyone. But you'd say Hall probably one of the most dangerous because of you know that the physical talents that, that he's got. Um, but I think Hampshire sort of, although players got in, they also didn't push on and, and they managed to get themselves out. So Press wicket, for example, he's tried to turn Josh Hall into the leg side. He's just got a leading edge and, and chipped it straight back to him. Um, ben Brown, I believe he just pulled it straight to, to, to Colin Ackerman. It, it was a good catch close in, um, but there were wickets that were avoidable. Um, and I think had Tom Prest still been in at, um, after the after he did get out, 
um, with sort of Joe Weatherly and, and Liam Dawson to, to come. Um, a partnership with either of those two would have probably taken the, way, the game away from Leicestershire. So um, you have to give Josh Hall credit um, for getting Tom pressed out because he wasn't fantastic, to be honest. He went around the park a little bit and um, he was, as we noticed and everyone in the press box noticed and probably everyone at, at that side of the ground noticed, he was getting abused, uh, for want of a better term, by um, a few Hampshire fans. Um, so you, you have to give him credit. But yeah, had had Tom Prest continued to bat for maybe another three, four, five overs, I think the game would have would have got away from Leicestershire. So I think that wicket was was the turning point. And then um, both of Joe Weatherly and Liam Dawson getting out towards the end. Um, whether Dawson would have been able to to carry them over the line at the back end, I think it had already sort of gotten away from them. Um, but he was keeping them in it at, at the end um, and. That was sort of the dagger um, in Hampshire Hearts, whereas I think the, the pressed wicket was was the one that really hurt them. I think that's a very, very fair statement, to be honest, Kieran. And it's a great point as well, because it was a very tame dismissal, wasn't it? For Tom Prest, end of an over, caught and bowled straight back to Josh Hall. I, I do think that was a major moment in this final, because after that, even though the likes of Weatherly and Dawson did threaten, Hampshire never looked as though they were in complete control, did they? And that relates to my next question about this final. With the power of hindsight and in retrospect, do you think Hampshire should have approached in particular those final 10 overs differently? Because they left it incredibly late and without sounding too cliche, we hear all the time in cricket about taking it deep, right? But you don't want to take it to the final over, do you? In particular in a final, given the pressure, given the, the immense scrutiny that each and every single one of these players out in the middle will be under, do you think Hampshire should have gone a little bit more fast-paced, a bit more frenetic, I suppose, in those last 10 to get it to a stage where they didn't even need to take it to the final over in the first place. What are your thoughts on on Hampshire's approach in those they, last they, 10? They probably should have gone a little bit harder. I mean, you talk about, um, certainly in T20 cricket, um, you hear commentators all the time saying that you would, you would much rather have your best bowler bowl in the penultimate over because sometimes it, it gets... It gets too late um, if the ball in the final over and and the, the the batting side are able to go after the person bowling the nineteenth. I think it's the same sort of thing in fifty over cricket that um, you don't want um, your better bowler bowling right at the end because that that then gives the the batting side an opportunity um, and not so much from the bowling point of view, but from from a batting point of view that um, y- you are given the opportunity to go a little bit harder. Um, Ian Holland tried to do so when when he got in. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the the strike rates, he and Keith Barker were the only people to go at, at more than a run a ball. Um, as good as as well as Joe Weatherly and, and Liam Dawson batted together towards the end, um, they potentially could have gone a little bit quicker. Um, you look at, at Weatherly hit two boundaries while he hit forty which is obviously a decent score in the circumstances, but there were only two boundaries in the innings. So, um, you know, had he scored a couple more boundaries and, and tried to be a little bit more aggressive, then the equation probably wouldn't have been as much as it got to the end. Um, so, yeah, I certainly think to, to the sort of middle to, to latter overs of the game, um, had Hampshire gone a little bit harder and a few people just scored a little bit quicker, obviously it would have made it easier for them. And I think that's what, sort of did for them. The fact that in the final over, Liam Dawson was still um, 
having to attempt to go hard and that's that's what what got him out and um Hampshire then weren't able to to recover from there no they weren't and again Kieran I think it's a great point in terms of that approach first and foremost they lost wickets at regular intervals okay that really is it's almost a common occurrence in run chases which don't go well isn't it and it is a little bit cliche but losing wickets at regular intervals is so crucial because you never really generate momentum do you you never feel as though you're on top in this game and I do think in those final 10 to 15 overs given the regularity of the wickets falling I think Hampshire weren't really in control of this run chase they got very close after all they only lost this final by two runs but you just think if the partnerships could have built a little bit more even if it was just for a few more overs together if there are a few more boundaries it is that word isn't it if it's a hypothetical but if Hampshire could have done that they would have been walking away with another list a trophy but that wasn't the case and something we haven't really discussed about this final was the fielding because from both sides we both picked it up didn't we in the press box the ground fielding in particular from both sides was absolutely world class it was international standard right the saving of boundaries the stopping of runs at points in particular saw Budinger like magnet hands wasn't it It was absolutely incredible watching him do his thing in the field but Leicestershire's catching that's the thing that I wanted to discuss, Kieran, before we discuss that final over and the moment which saw Leicestershire lift the Metrobank One Day Cup. How would you describe and analyse Leicestershire's catching? Because in particular towards the business end of that run chase, there were two massive catches, weren't there? First and foremost, the one from the substitute field of Will Davis coming on in the deep, getting the massive wicket of Joe Weatherly, taking a really smart low diving catch. And then Josh Hull, We'll give this guy more plaudits and more credit in just a few moments' time. But that was a really difficult catch, wasn't it? To dismiss Ian Holland. It was swirling, it was high, and he pouched it ever so safely. And that was a big wicket because Ian Holland has history of finishing off run chases. So in terms of Leicestershire's catching, how impressed were you with the Foxes in terms of their efforts and their tenacity in the field at Trent Bridge over the course of that match? Yeah, they were really impressive. Uh, and you mentioned. Sol Buttinger again. I think that's just worth reiterating that, yeah, at point he was phenomenal. There were a couple of times the ball got absolutely smashed um, wide of him and he put out a dive and, and and got a hand on it and managed to stop um, probably either four runs or another three runs if uh, if he turned to ones. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the catching. I think the, the Weatherly one specifically um, was the, the, the better catch and, and probably one of the more important dismissals as well. Um, Colin Ackerman hadn't been fantastic um, with the ball. Um, Weatherly had, had put him a considerable few rows back a few overs before, um, slog sweeping him and, and attempting to do the same thing again. It was really important that that, that catch was made. Um, and it was a very good catch diving forwards low down. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned Josh Hall as well. Ian Holland, literally the ball before had, had reverse ramped uh, Vian Mulder for four, um, for a one bounce four. And then the next ball went the other way, tried to um, conventional ramp him. Um, and yeah, it, it's for somebody who's six foot seven, um, it can't be very easy to get down. I say that as somebody who's not that much shorter than Josh Hall. Um, diving forwards, sprinting full speed one way to manage to get the whole way down, catch the ball. Um, that was a fantastic take. And yeah, as you say, um, another very important wicket. And I think 
you would probably say those two um, were, were two of the more important wickets at the business end of the game. So um, had those not been taken, obviously, um, Hampshire are in a much better position. So um, it's the, the old sort of undenying adage of, of catchers win matches, but like that was genuinely the case. Had those catchers not been taken, Hampshire will probably win the game. So yeah, you've certainly got to give Leicestershire the plaudits for um, both stopping runs in the field and taking crucial catches when it mattered. They were superb, weren't they? Honestly, the energy in the field from ball one from Leicestershire, they were up for this. They wanted to win in front of their fans. And in terms of the culmination of this extraordinary final, and it really was extraordinary, wasn't it? Like we were gripped. My palms are sweating. We, we were teeth clenched, weren't we, in the press box. We're neutrals in this. I can't imagine what the Leicestershire and Hampshire fans were going through, but it was just the most spectacular game of cricket and a very fitting end to this year's Metrobank One Day Cup. And it all came down to the very last over of the competition. Josh Hull, who up until this point had figures of one for 70 from nine overs, he had been carted around the park a bit, was tasked with defending eight runs in the final over. And just for the sake of the Leicestershire fans, I think we have to relive it, Kieran. So the first ball to Keith Barker goes for a single. The second ball to Liam Dawson, again, another single. The third ball, Keith Barker playing some smart cricket, gets off strike, puts Liam Dawson on strike, again, another single. And then the fourth ball of the over, it's the big moment, isn't it? Halter Dawson, Dawson caught by right. It was the game-winning moment, I think. Because at that point, Hampshire were down to the tail enders. Yes, Keith Barker can be a very good finisher, and he's proven that in the past. But with the likes of Curry and Crane coming in, it, it wasn't the same, was it, as Liam Dawson being out there for the last ball because he's got immense six-hitting capabilities. But that wicket was the big one. And then to defend that final ball after being sledged all day long with the Mitchell Johnson song, to do that to possess the ice in the veins in the biggest moments of your career, the biggest moments in this cricket club's history for the best part of a decade and the first time that this club could lift a List A trophy in 38 years, to produce that over when it mattered the most, conceding just five runs, taking the foxes of Leicestershire County Cricket Club to victory, it was special, wasn't it, Kieran? That is a moment which will live long in the memory, not just of Leicestershire fans, but of county cricket fans. And just a few words on Josh Hall. Again, we talk about tenacity, we talk about fortitude, right? He displayed that, didn't he, in bunches over the course of this final. He had such a difficult start, was leaking boundaries. The pressure of the situation, I think, did get to him. And that's completely understandable. He's a 19-year-old playing in his first ever major final, but... To, to produce the goods in the clutch, how impressed were you with that final over from Leicestershire's very own academy product, Josh Hall? It, it shows a lot of a lot of mental fortitude, a lot of metal for the fact that a 19-year-old w- was able to defend um, eight runs off the final over. Um, and yeah, you, you mentioned the fact that, that Liam Dawson, you know, has the ability to finish a game like that. I, I remember a, a PSL game a, a couple of years ago where, playing for Islam Abad United, that he, he nailed a six from like the, the second to last ball to, to win a game. So, yeah, it's certainly something that, that he's capable of doing. Um, and I think that the final over, Hull, we mentioned that he had gone around the park a little bit. And t- to be fair to the to the fans that were singing he balls to the left, he balls to the right, 
he kind of had done throughout the day. His his lengths weren't weren't where you'd want. Um, he sort of went went a little bit too full on occasion and, and got smashed about. Um, I don't think he could have done a lot about when when Tom Press was tracking him and smashing him over the top because that's just a, a good use of feet. Um, but he hadn't been particularly consistent all day until it got to the, the final couple of overs and he put the ball on the right spot. Essentially, every ball. Um, and I think it, it shows how. Um, sort of mental the back end of the game was and how tense it was. I genuinely can't remember how Dawson got out. Like I can look at it on the scorecard now. I still couldn't tell you how like what happened. Like I can see that he got he was caught. I don't remember where it was. Um but yeah every single ball in that over was a good one. Um and even when it got to sort of the last couple of balls that you don't really expect Keith Barker to smash them out of the ground, you still have to make sure that you're not putting the ball in, in a place where he can smash you out of the ground. And he did that and and um it was uh, it, it sort of though Harry Swindles was was the guy that sort of started everything off. It, it was um, sort of poetic that it would be a 19 year old who who had been battered about and and got a bit of stick from from the fans that it will be a moment for him that will that he'll remember for his entire career and um, just being at the start of his career it it, it shows yeah. Uh, um, a lot of mental fortitude to be able to do that and and to be able to bowl as well as he did in the final over, having not bowled very well. Um, because, you know, it, if you've gone around the park um, all game, it can be easy to just, just continue doing the same thing and continue trying a little bit too hard. Um, so the fact that, that he was able to to change things up and, and put together six balls was, was all, all it needed for the game to be won. And, and he put the ball in the right spot and, and he won the game for Leicestershire. He did. And it was incredibly fitting, wasn't it? Because that first innings was manufactured. It was held together by two lads who were born and bred in the city of Leicester, to whom this club means so much. And then for it to be finished off by a product of that Foxes Academy, it was poetic. It really was. It was poetry in motion. It was a beautiful cricketing tale playing out in front of our very eyes. And honestly, that reaction at the end, there's goosebumps now, even just reliving it, isn't there? All of those Leicestershire fans who had made the journey, fair enough, it wasn't a ridiculous journey to Nottingham, but it was a journey nonetheless. They were vocal throughout the day. They backed their lads throughout everything, as they have done so superbly over the years. They deserved that, didn't they? And that roar of the crowds when that final ball went for a single, the moment of realisation when all of those years of frustration, heartache, pain, disappointment was finally evaporated. There's no better feeling in the world. And honestly, I I listened back to the commentary from Richard Ray. I know Richard. He's a lovely man. He's an excellent commentator, a wonderful broadcaster. He's been here on the podcast to discuss Leicestershire. And I've been on his podcast for BBC Radio Leicester. He was in tears. This moment meant so much to him. It was a moment 38 years in the making. For for the vast majority of those Leicestershire fans, they never would have experienced anything like this. And bear in mind, that was the last time that they won the trophy. They last appeared in a final in 2001. That was the year that I was born. So even I've never seen Leicestershire in a List A trophy. And that, for me, just hammers home the importance of the Metrobank One Day Cup because in an era where List A cricket's has almost been ejected to the wayside and it's playing second fiddle to T20 cricket and here in England to the hundreds. I think that this competition and this final really did make the points that List A cricket 
still very much has its place in cricket's ecosystem because I challenge any critic, any naysayer of the formats to have a conversation with a Leicestershire fan and say that that final didn't matter. Purely because the best players might not have been there, it was irrelevant. It didn't matter who was playing for those Leicestershire fans. They backed them from ball one in this competition right the way up until the end. And those lads on the field and Will Davis as the substitute fielder have given an entire fan base a core memory to hold on to for the rest of their lives. This is why we love sports. It's that moment, it's that opportunity to create history, to create happiness. And in particular for Leicestershire, they're a side which so many people, myself included, do have a soft spot for. They aren't the most financially rich club, are they? They don't spend big, they don't buy the best players and bring in the massive overseas names. They produce good, solid, strong domestic cricketers. They've been excellent in white ball cricket over the years. And after all of the adversity that they have faced as a club in recent years, over the course of this past decade or so, to see them as the list A champions of England and Wales, even as a neutral, is incredibly satisfying. So, Kieran, I suppose the final words on the final, Leicestershire as the champions, what did you make of that, mate? And how fantastic is that for the wider English cricket ecosystem? Um, Yeah, going into the game, um, I, I, and I think a lot of neutrals would rather Leicestershire have, have won, um, you know, because they haven't been, they've sort of been in the wilderness um, a little bit. And the, the last trophy came in 2011. And yeah, you say, you mentioned that the, the last time they were in, in, in a list A final was 2001, um, which obviously didn't, didn't go the way they wanted it to the last um, list A trophy in 1985. So um, for a lot of fans, they wouldn't have seen much success from, from their side. Um, on the flip side, Hampshire have seen quite a lot um, over the past few years. So I think um, even though they were sort of both the two best sides in the competition, um, as, as well as probably Warwickshire, but, but obviously Warwickshire didn't play well enough in, in the semi-final to get there. Um, I think you would say that um, Leicester were the more deserving, um, both on the day and just from what the people at the club have have endured what the fans haven't seen much success for for a long time and um yeah i, I would say um it was fitting that that leicester would win um at the end of the tournament and and you know back to the point that harry swindles um sam evans leicester boys um have been at the club for so long i think it, it, it was all just a very fitting end to the to the tournament and for leicester to win and for the guys who were involved to be involved in it. It really was. I think that is the word of the episode, isn't it? Fitting. It was a great way to end what has been an outstanding competition. I mean, we we both loved the One Day Cup this year, haven't we, Kieran? We've come into each and every single one of these review shows with massive grins on our faces, lots of energy, lots of optimism, lots of enthusiasm, because we've just loved the cricket that we've been treated to. And just on that, that... that vein of thinking, right, along that line of thinking. I just wanted to ask, aside from the final, or maybe even including the final, because there were some outstanding moments in that game, but in terms of the tournament as a whole, what do you say was your favourite moments looking back on the 2023 Metrobank One Day Cup? Um, I think a lot of it, while it's been, while it's coincided with the 100, has been sort of the development of young players. So I'd look at the likes of um one that stands out to me is is Charlie Allison at, at Essex who who hit I think 350s in, in the competition having 
not played a pro game before. Um, he's been really good in, in Essex's second team and has has come through and and he's now showing that he's very much capable of playing um, senior professional cricket. He's doing well for England under 19s at the minute, um, alongside Noah Thane, who who's another one who who came through this season at Essex. Um, and I think you look around the sides and and it'll be difficult for for you to find a club that that hasn't um, managed to breed some good talented young players this season um so i think that would be the the sort of overriding emotion that it, it's just been really good for the development of players who otherwise might not have got a chance um might sort of play one or two games a season um and the, the stories such as harry swindles that maybe guys who don't play all too often but are, are given opportunities and and grab them with both hands um and i would say even though um, the quality of the tournament isn't at its highest because there's a, a big talent drain from the hundred. It still gives people opportunities, and and you know the fan bases. I wouldn't say minds particularly too much that um, the tournament uncovers sort of gems in in the sides that they might not have seen otherwise. Well, I think that's a great point to make because the One Day Cup has changed, right? And we can't deny that. We can't lie about that. The fact that the final is no longer at Lords, the fact that a number of first 11 players aren't available throughout the entirety of the competition is something which does put people off. And that's absolutely fine, because if you want to watch the best of the best, that's absolutely fine. You can watch cricket the way that you like. But for the hardcore fans of county cricket, and even for people just getting into the county circuits, I think the Metrobank One Day Cup is just wonderful. It really is. So, for example, back in 2009... My first ever match was a List A game against Glamorgan at Edgbaston. And here I am, 14 years later, talking about Warwickshire every single day of my life. I'm absolutely obsessed with the game. I'm obsessed with the club. I'm obsessed with county cricket. The One Day Cup this year, it is different. But at the same time, I think it's a good different. It might be seen as a development competition, but we're seeing the emergence of young talent up and down the country. You mentioned the likes of Charlie Allison, Noah Thane, Josh Hull, who we've mentioned at length in this podcast, the likes of Hamza Sheikh and Taz Ali Chowdhury at my county of Warwickshire. Every single one of these 18 clubs is producing exciting talent. And this is the stage where we get to see them produce the goods and take the next step in their career. It's incredibly exciting. And even though the standard for some people might not be as good because there aren't the international superstars, you might not have the big overseas names. The actual games that we've watched have been brilliant. And the fact that we have been graced by the likes of Peter Hanscom, Vion Mulder, pretty sure, scoring a double century against Somerset. The fact is players still view this competition as being incredibly important. It has a place in county cricket. And I think that's a very important thing to just note for the future. The One Day Cup is different. But just because it's different doesn't make it any less special. It means so much to the fans, it means a lot to the players, it means a lot to the coaches, and it means an awful lot to the clubs, like Leicestershire, like Glamorgan, for example, who won it in 2021. For clubs who maybe haven't tasted the sweet nectar of silverware for a number of years, the One Day Cup is a prime opportunity to lift a trophy. So, for example, with Glamorgan, it was their first win in 17 years in List Day cricket. For Leicestershire, their first List Day win in 38 seasons, and... Now, you look at other counties, I look at what Northampton are building, I look at what Derbyshire are building, right? Every single one of these counties 
will be vying like mad for this trophy, and in particular for the non-test hosting counties who maybe haven't won the championship, maybe haven't lifted the T20 blast. This is a great moment to get yourself some silverware. So I think it's safe to say, Kieran, that we both absolutely loved the Metro Bank One Day Cup. It really is brilliant. The only criticism that I would say about the final is that we didn't see Metro booming appear from from the Ratcliffe Road stand. A little bit disappointed about that. So I was expecting some superhero to be blasting out around the ground. But no, aside from that, it's been a wonderful competition. It's been excellent to see the next generation of young, talented English cricketers coming through the ranks and performing so well. And yeah, long live the One Day Cup. It's a wonderful competition. It's a very special competition. Fan bases across the country have very much invested into it. We've seen a lot better crowds this year across the entire country. So all that I'll say, folks, is continue to support the One Day Cup and continue to support the counties because moments like Saturday, when Leicestershire were crowned as the List Day champions of England and Wales for the first time since 1985, make this competition all the more worth it. So, Kieran, I think that's a wonderful place to wrap up not only today's review show, but our review show of the entire Metrobank One Day Cup in 2023. The series is finished. The competition is over. It's now in the books for 2023. But I think it's safe to say that we're both looking forward to the return of this competition come the summer of 2024. But that is it for myself and Kieran for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.